Hey, this is Zach Catanzaro. And I'm Walker Lukens. We're the hosts of Song Confessional, the only podcast where today's top songwriters turn your anonymous stories into original songs. This week, we've got a salacious tale of train platforms and anonymous hookups. Austin songstress Buffalo Hunt transforms the confession into a cinematic indie pop gem, exploring the dark pleasures of our bad decisions. Listen to Song Confessional at KUTX.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Welcome to This Song, the podcast that asks artists to talk about songs that shaped them in some way. Maybe a song changed the way they view their work, or better yet, maybe it changed the way they view the world. World-changing, life-changing songs. That's what we want. And hey, just a little before we get started, if you've been listening to this song and you like it, well... We would love a rating or a review in iTunes, Uh, you know, of course, if you listen to us on iTunes. It really helps us a bunch. And um, was it weird to just do an ask like that? Well, I did it. Anyway, I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen. And in this episode of This Song, I sat down with two Austin artists, Max Frost and Nakia. Both of them chose songs that helped them find their artistic voices. For Max, it's a song that he heard as a teenager that helped him find his own voice as a songwriter. And for Nakia, well, this song reminded him of the power, literally, of his own voice and set the bar for performance for him. So let's get started. First off, Max Frost. He's a singer, songwriter, producer, beat maker from Austin, Texas, who really blew everyone away in 2013 with his song, White Lies, which... I'll be playing a taste of later in the show. It's really quite good. And it's off his EP, Low, High, Low. And he has a new EP coming out September 18th called Intoxication. And a lot of his musical style can be traced to a song he heard late one night in his early teens. So here he is, Max Frost. So when I was a kid, when I was about 13, uh... I would stay up too late and I would watch uh, MTV and VH1 when they would still show music videos, but only at late night. I think it was called Insomniac or something like that was the name of the show where they basically would just kind of roll, you know, music videos from, sometimes it was from vintage stuff, but usually it was from stuff that was charting at the time. And uh, I remember it was the kind of stuff like, I remember like Foo Fighters had some songs out and I even remember, what was that Madonna song? The Madonna song, probably one of the last like singles she had on radio that, Every little thing that you say, I'll do, cut up, I'm gonna. Which that's not the song I'm talking about, oh, okay, but okay, that, okay. but that's like what I remember because as as a as a kid, I remember all the music videos. It was always a person in this personality and this vibe and this song and it was either a rock song or a pop song or sometimes there was some more hip-hop stuff but it seemed very all in a specific lane and specific to a person and then this video would come on where it was i remember the first thing that struck me about it before the song even was just i was like oh why is this this video is all just a cartoon or something it looked like some kind of show that i might watch and it was this guy 
you know, cartoon guy up in this windmill. And the, you know, this the song started with the with that beat though. The boom, 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 boom. And I've never, for me, that was just like it was like a meteor hitting my brain because it, first of all, the song was like I never had heard anything. It almost reminded me of John Lennon in a way, the way he was singing. It almost reminded me of like off the White Album, like I'm so tired. I haven't slept a I'm so like the kind of lazy singing but over this beat that was like super driving and it had these these two different parts and then there was a rapper on it and it was super catchy but it was I guess the, the first thing that was amazing to me about it was that it, it never occurred to me that and I've never I'd never seen anything that was like this isn't a person this clearly because it, it felt like something like this couldn't be one person who made this and is singing that and then is rapping that and all that so it was just like it blew my mind that there was just like sort of no one almost even really taking responsibility for the song in this way that freed it up in this way that just allowed it to sort of be like this insane other being. And so you're talking about Feel Good Inc. Yeah, by Feel Good Gorillas. Inc. by the yeah. Gorillas. Yeah, um, I probably should have said that earlier on, but <laughs> people are going to be like, well, so know, what are you talking about? As soon as you did about? the beginning like part, I was like, what's he talking, a windmill yeah. and a cart? Oh, it's, yeah. of course, it's Gorillas. Yeah. yeah. Had you heard any blur previous to that? Like, were you I hip probably, to Damon Albarn at all? I probably had heard that woohoo song. And I, you know, other than that, I was 13. I was just listening to like I was still digging into Hendrix and other stuff, and that was my world of music. But that was just sort of my little one window late at night into like what was happening then. And I remember, you know, maybe besides like Eminem, that being the first like, because I've always been so heavy into the music of the past and, and living in that world, that it's pretty rare, uh, especially then, that I would look to something that was happening at that time that would like blow my mind like that. And that was sort of a thing where I was just like, what? Like, Do what you think that? it was that you could hear kind of a John Lennon thing happening in the vocals, something that you could reach back to and kind of touch yeah. from the past, but also you were hearing something that sounded really... Yeah. modern and hip-hop influenced at the same time like totally yeah i mean it felt familiar to me in a way i mean i think that's that's almost the way that people you know people can can nitpick a lot of different things that they like or don't like about music and at the end of the day i really think you know immediately if you're gonna really really love something the second you hear it because there's just something bizarrely familiar which it isn't that you've heard it before and it isn't that it's that similar to something else there's just that bizarre quality of like when you hear a great song for the first time you're just like Oh my gosh, I've heard this for for centuries in the other lives I lived or something, it's something like that's the a feeling. weird magic of songs where it touches like when a whole bunch of people connect to a song, you feel like it's maybe something more innate and inside of us like going, you know, centuries old totally, that yeah. we've all been hearing. So that that gorilla song was definitely like a past lives song for me or something where I was just like, "What?" Now, you at the time you were 16 13 13 yeah. 13 and you're playing guitar at this yeah point? I, I was playing guitar i was probably playing some drums and bass and you know i don't really i wasn't really that seriously writing songs but i was definitely you know thinking about that kind of stuff and it was uh you know but mostly listening to music of like Jimi hendrix and yeah you know i was so deep into like you know i wanted to be steve ray vaughn or something 
I was just about playing guitar and you know Led Zeppelin and things like that. Like that was just what my world was about. So it was it was pretty rare that anything else made in, uh, any sense to me other than that. You know. So when you started writing songs and you started making your own music, is that Gorillaz song something that you kind of went back to? Like, let's see if we can. Well, so that's that's something that it kind of took a while for me to circle around to that because it was like in the you know you everyone I think has if you're going to be a songwriter or an artist of any kind, you have the, the sort of life burden of, uh, of finding your identity with it and, and finding who you are and what your voice is. And so I was definitely really confused about that in the beginning. Cause I was just, you know, my influences were really diverse. So I just would kind of pick a direction and go, I, I think in the beginning I was much more like a, almost just kind of like, yeah, like sort of an Americana singer songwriter thing. Like I, you know, I think Ryan Adams was probably a person where I first was really trying to be like, oh yeah, if I, if I write songs like that, I can pull that off. You know, I wasn't trying to be him, but I was like, that's something I could see myself pulling off. So I and so that's when I really started writing a lot of songs. But then the sort of intersection that happened and when I really started producing music was when I uh, just started linking with hip-hop guys that were in Austin and that sort of displaced everything that I was doing as this sort of blues-based Americana songwriter because they wanted me to do hooks on their beats and, and stuff like that. And so then I became really interested in making production for that kind of music, which once that was sort of in my bag, that was kind of the missing piece of the gorillas thing. And once, you know, that was definitely a part of me connecting everything to sort of, you know, fit in a similar lane where, you know, it's about, but I would say that's almost in a way I still borrow from the concept of that gorilla song for most of the stuff I'm trying to do, which is a really, really big backbeat and a really, really strong forward aggressive you know production with a very laid back vocal on the record that's kind of the, the, the vibe yeah and i mean that gorillas record really is if you're into production that's really like a that whole, it's just a production record. You know, it's yeah. Damon Alburn saying like, I don't want to just be, it's not just me. It's like me collaborating with a comic book artist, I think, collaborating I think, with like. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Danger Mouse guy had something to do with that song Doesn't too. he have something to do with everything? Danger yeah. Mouse had something to do with Feel Good Ink? I know I sound crazy, but I've looked it up before and I've been like, really? Because when you listen to it, it kind of has to be him. Because I mean, I don't, it sounds so I much know. like check it out. Yeah, the stuff for he sure. did, you know. Yeah. Are you a Damon Albarn fan just in general? Like, I only ask because I really like. I mean, I, I, I would say I'm like pretty aware of a lot of his stuff. I definitely haven't had that moment yet where I've gone and like looked at it from the perspective of like what's his. Like, I bet I, bet I know more stuff of his than I realize. Yeah. But I haven't ever really gone down a path of like, okay, so what's this guy done? But I definitely, it's crazy that I, that I never have because everything I've ever heard him do, I think is amazing. Yeah. So I don't know why I haven't gone and looked him up further yet, but Maybe I should. Maybe you will. In the age of the internet, you could go, yeah. you could get on your phone right now and learn yeah. everything you wanted to know about yeah. him, you know? Um, but that's really interesting that that song that you heard when you were 13, when did you start to like develop a sound that had more of like a hip hop mixed with? Probably, probably when I was more like 18, 
because that's when I finally had, it was like around the time I graduated high school that I finally got like a laptop and really started making beats to where then when I made my own songs, that was, you know, an element of it. Yeah. So that was, it, it took a while, but it was always sort of there. The seed had been planted kind of by that song. Excellent. Well, thank you so much awesome. thank for you. Uh, letting us know. Frost, White Lies. See? I told you it was good. You can totally hear that gorilla's influence, and he just randomly saw the video one night. It it goes to show you never know when the next big inspiration is going to hit you with some mind-expanding excellence that will influence your future self. So kids, keep watching those videos. <laughs> and I'm going to say that I was more than a wee bit embarrassed that I didn't know that Danger Mouse, a.k.a. Brian Burton, um, not only did he have something to do with Feel Good Inc., but he produced Demon Days, the record that Feel Good Inc. is on. I actually considered editing the part where I didn't know that out, but I left it in. Um, I mean, as a fan, I feel like I should know that, or maybe it's okay because it means I'm just a fan and not a super fan of Damon Albarn. I don't know. I kind of get pretty crazy fan-ish when it comes to Damon Albarn. Anyway, on to the next guest. My next guest is Nikia. He is also an Austin artist. He's released three records under his own name, the most recent being drown in the crimson tide and speaking of voices which if you haven't noticed is kind of the theme for this show well Nakia was on the first season of The Voice the wildly successful tv show he has a fabulous voice and for his song he chose one that made him reconnect with his love of singing and I'll also preface this by saying that when he came in for the interview, I wasn't quite sure how to operate the recording gear, and we spent some time with him helping me try to figure it out. So, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Nikia. I'm here with Nikia at the KTX studios, and um, we've been hanging out. You've been helping me learn the gear. So, what is an important song that you want to tell the world about? The this is a, a duet, a live duet version of I guess that's why they call it the blues by Elton John featuring Mary J. Blige. Don't wish it away, don't look at it like it's forever. Between you and me, I can honestly say Where did you find this? Um, this, I think this was around 2000, maybe 2001. Um, I was living in Alabama and Napster was, you know, all the rage. Um, everybody was downloading music from Napster and Elton had put out a new record and there was no record stores nearby to me, but I knew it was out. So i searched for the record and found this one track and downloaded it 
burned it to a CD. And the was, way we used right, to. That's right. And I was currently at that time using my little brother's car. So I was driving around Fort Payne, Alabama, where I'm originally from, and uh, listening to these tracks that I had downloaded. And that particular one just really, really stuck with me. So how old were you around this time? Uh, let's see. I would have been 26, I think, something around there. Okay. And so what was it about this? 25, maybe. I mean, because yeah. you had heard the song before, obviously, like heard sure. Elton John himself do it. Absolutely. Um. So what was it about this version, though, that kind of caught you more than other songs? Mary J. Blige. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all Mary. Um, there's just so much raw emotion in her performance and because it was not super early in her career she'd been out for a while um but because of it being one of the first times she'd really had i think a moment like this on stage with somebody of that caliber um you can hear in her voice to me anyway this is my interpretation that she's kind of in awe of the moment Were you playing music at the time that you heard it? No, at the time I was getting ready to go work for a record label in Chicago. Um, and I was working as a field rep for them, actually, in the Alabama-Atlanta area. So I wasn't even really doing music at the time. I, I had done music, and um, but I had put all that kind of on hold because I thought, oh, I'm going to be in the music business, you know? Right and on. I loved that part of it, but... This was one of those moments where I suddenly remembered the reason I love the music business is because I love to sing, and I love to sing along with songs. That's how I got my start, was singing along to other people's music. And so did you, is there a lapse between the time that you hear that song and then you actually do start performing music again? Probably the, between hearing that song and the time that I booked my first gig, I would say was less than a year. Oh, wow. And do you think that like that, it sounds like it ignited the fire within you or oh, reignited yeah. the fire to perform yeah. within you? Yeah. I mean, it was really, you know, trying to emulate her voice. You know, that's, that's again, that's kind of how I got started was emulating Steve Perry or, you know, Hank Williams Jr. or... Simon Levon from Duran Duran. Trying to be them vocally, and then you know, driving around in my little brother's car with nobody else in there, screaming at the top of my lungs like Mary J. Blige does in the song, and and thinking like, oh man, I can sing like that. singing uh kind of soul in the blues when you got to austin yeah. when you sing soul music is there always a part of you that's trying to like approach that mary j blige singing with elton john 
I th- moment? I mean, I think I think so. I think that it's 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 a combination of that, and you know, um, Eddie Floyd. You know, records that my dad would listen to when I was a kid. I don't wanna lose this good thing. sing like that you know um or weirdly enough you know like i said earlier like duran duran or or um phil collins you know all these great 80s singers For that particular song, it really, even today, I can't listen to that song without feeling just really moved emotionally and really just moved to sing along. And so it's not so much the song that got you. It wasn't like the lyrics or the melody. It's Mary J. Blige interpreting the song and like just making you totally feel it in a way that you had never felt that song before or just in a way that we, we want to feel, you know, like... You know how singers, um, you know, sometimes we we find a, just enough space between the lyric and the break to to fill in something, just like a guitar player would, you yeah. know, or something. There's a moment where Mary J does this towards the end of the song um, where she comes back in and, you know, she's she's really on top of it, but she builds she leads into that chorus with this you know just oh, i can't even do it right now but it's it's so powerful and almost blood curdling you know it sounds like somebody is strangling her right thinking to myself as I became a singer I wasn't really a singer at that point but a professional singer and thinking I never want to sing something that I don't really mean you mm-hmm. know and I want it to come from a place that feels so real that when an audience member watches or hears me sing it that they think god that guy you know he knows what he's talking about that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking and helping me learn this uh, recording software. <laughs> and and um, yeah, I can't I can't wait to listen to all the music that you talked about. Well, so. thanks for having me. It's been a, a real pleasure hanging out with you today. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. I was an outsider kid. Picked on at school for the things that I did Mama, she was crazy, daddy was gone Same old story, same old song My whole life's been a shame It's been tough being this way Can't make others happy and keep yourself sad that ain't what to do.
What you're hearing below me is Tight from Drown in the Crimson Tide, Nakia's latest release, and you can hear it. That Mary J. Blige-esque honesty and intensity that Nakia wants to get across, he goes for it. In fact, he told me a story during the interview, and it didn't make it into the final cut, but I, I love this story. So Sharon Jones was playing a show in Austin, and Nakia opened for her. And then during her set, Sharon Jones invited Nakia up on stage to sing with her, although it was a song that he did not know and had never heard before. So he, of course, went up, and he just started listening and singing back, and he was going for it. And he was going for it, and Sharon Jones started going for it. Then they're both going for it together, and it really... It really created this great moment, and luckily someone got it on videotape, and I will send you a link. I'm not going to send it to you. I'm actually going to put it (laughs) on the This Song page on the KUTX website, but I will post that link so you can see what Nakia does when he goes for it. It's pretty amazing. Now, before I forget, both Max Frost and Nakia are nominees for Black Fret Grants, and I want to tell you about Black Fret because I think it's a pretty amazing Austin organization. They are creating a patronage system for live music. You know, like the opera has patrons. Well, they want to give the same support to live musicians. Full disclosure, I was awarded one of their grants last year, which is how I know they're awesome. They're a membership-driven organization, and if you are looking for a way to be involved in the Austin music scene... Well, I highly recommend you check them out. In fact, on August 28th at the North Door, both Max Frost and Nakia will be playing a show for members along with Gina Chavez, who we should really get in here. But I didn't want to leave Max Frost and Nakia without mentioning Black Fret. And that's it. We've come to the end of yet another This Song episode. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9 Austin. This episode was produced and edited by myself, Elizabeth McQueen, and David Sanger, who happens to be my husband. The interviews were recorded by Cliff Hargrove and myself. My interview with help from Nakia, of course. Special thanks to Peter Babb, who books all the bands in Studio 1A. We have over... 300 a year. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's own hardproof Afro beat. You should go see them live. They're amazing. You can email us at this song at KUTX.org or tweet us at this song KUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day, and Austin Music Minute on iTunes. You can follow us on Stitcher and hey, We know you're busy, but if you have a moment, we would love a rating or review on iTunes. I know I said it earlier in the show, but I'm saying it again. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.
KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.